On the fifth episode of Instant Noodles, a podcast where I talk to individuals in their 20s about ideas such as identity, work culture, relationships, and life in general, I have with me Trishala Balal. This 27-year-old carries with her experiences that diverge from the typical life choices. In her recent past, she has worked as a senior volunteer at Care Animal Shelter and is currently the manager of marketing at India's first whole food, plant-based restaurant, Just Be. Trishala has been bitten by every animal she can think of in her love for them, climbed many robust trees, lived in Korea where she learned the language, and even helped bring Korean cosmetics to India. She talks to me about coping with rejection and how it has helped her grow, living up to her own expectations, and having conversations around mental health. I'm your host, Mehr Zariwala. Hi, Trishala. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Mehr. It's lovely to be joining you here today. Yeah, it's great, great to, of course, reconnect and, you know, see you in person. Um, all right. So first question, how do you like your instant noodles i like my instant noodles spicy but also salty i'm kind of a spice and salt addict so i don't like these exotic flavors i just like the classic masala instant noodles that top ramen sells those i don't like anyone meddling with i don't like the manchurian flavor and the pani puri flavors i just like the classic masala there's a pani puri flavor okay. top wow. ramen pani puri or top ramen manchurian okay all right, I'm going to go check that one out. So, of course, um, I've been following your journey uh, across, I would say, different countries and different mm-hmm. cities online. Uh, but if I have to ask you, like, over the last 10 years, what are the things like, like really, you know, pop up at the top of your head when you think about, like, sort of the last decade or so? What, what really comes to mind? Um, so... A little bit of backstory here. As a kid, I was always considered to be the smart one or the intelligent one, and I kind of grew up. It was meant in the most. Um, it was meant in the most innocent way, and it was only said in the passing as a supportive statement. But I kind of think it got into my head that I have to live up to these expectations that were placed on me. So when I actually went out into society, I was no longer a little kid at home with my parents. I saw that I wasn't all that much smarter than other kids my age. In fact, I was probably um, somewhere in the average range itself. So I felt that life has always been this uh, colossal task of me trying to be as good as or if not better than other people my age to just show the people who have supported me and cared for me my entire life that they were never wrong to begin with. Yes, I am an overachiever, intelligent kid. And they've never actually overtly placed any pressure on me it's just something I do to myself you know I am my biggest critic and I can't stop it's just so heavily ingrained in me I've been doing this my entire life but uh, I think at some point pushing myself throughout my life so drastically and for such a sustained period of time I think uh, suddenly having these this influx of intrusive thoughts and what it manifested as ultimately was OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, which a lot of people have the notion that it has to do with tidying things or washing your hands repeatedly. But 
uh, what many people don't understand is the thought process behind those that manifestation of organization or hygiene it's prompted by these highly intrusive and disturbing thoughts that are that typically revolve around harm coming to you or the people you love or um i mean everybody has their own fixations for me predominantly as a kid it was that i might hurt the people i love or that if i don't do things a certain way or if i don't do things perfectly if i don't do things in order i don't always do things well harm would come to the people i love and and so did you know it was a city how did you reach with to that thought uh, no oh, no i i didn't know it was ocd i felt an immense amount of guilt and shame that i was having these very violent and intrusive fears and thoughts in my head i was very convinced that there was something severely wrong with me i thought oh my god i might be a psychopath i can't let this come out in the open so um i was in my room crying every day and it be uh, hiding what was happening to me for the longest time until someone picked up on it and realized that uh, i was extremely disturbed in classes i wasn't able to concentrate and my mom realized she saw my puffy eyes all the time and for a while she let it go she thought i was going through my own you know um academic stress and i talked to her about it if i needed to but eventually she's like you know i think we need to go talk to a counselor uh if you're not going to talk to me about what's bothering you and the first psychiatrist that i went to um to put it to put it lightly was not the best of psychiatrists out there mm-hmm. and so i i was t- taking these medicines convinced that something severely wrong with me but not being told what was wrong with me but i was still i was told i was perfectly fine but i'm taking these medicines that are having a very profound impact on my energy level but you weren't profound. getting better i wasn't getting better because she was apparently stole my pen she was treating me for a personality disorder it wasn't helping at all so and so then we switched doctors eventually and i found a wonderful doctor at ramaya and he was able to immediately pinpoint it as obsessive compulsive disorder he said these were characteristic traits of it he was such a good doctor that he approached treating patients like a psychologist so psychologists give patients a lot of time whereas psychiatrists just give you medicines they listen a bit they give you medicines but he had me write out everything i was feeling over the course of a week encouraged me to write a book so he thought that i wrote well so he wanted me to write a book for other kids going through ocd mm-hmm. he thought they would be able to relate a lot he was a very very good doctor and the medicines when treated right along in combination with the therapy he was giving me i improved immensely mm-hmm. and um also during this ocd phase another thing that i used to do in order to kind of uh get my mind off all these disturbing thoughts up in my head constantly was that i had these korean kids in my uh school in my high school when i was in 8th grade or so they started teaching me the korean language so i started learning from these juniors korean the korean language from these juniors i really became fixated on this it was kind of like my lifeline i needed to learn korean in order to get my mind off everything else that was bothering me and my ocd uh, before i was on the right medications it reached a point where i was so convinced and this sounds ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but bear in mind that ocd doesn't really give you room to think rationally i mean you know your thoughts are rational but your body reacts to it as though it is a legitimate fear like you are being threatened by something very tangible so i refused to leave my house it was a very difficult period for my family as well as me and the thing that got me through this period well the difficult days was studying the language so i learned how to read and write at that point and just watching copious amounts of you know radio talk shows and right. stuff like that 
I learned how to speak the language as well. So, and, so uh, the whole Korean language was your sort of companion while you were also dealing with this uh, oh, entire absolutely. episode. Yeah, and what? And so, and how was what was happening in your academic journey at that point? Were you still studying for what grade eleven, twelve? What was happening there? Yeah. So I passed my tenth. I intermittently att- attended school just so I could write my boards, and I passed. I did fairly okay in that. But by the time 11th came around, I failed in every subject except the easiest one, which is general studies, which nobody fails. Okay. So at that point, I think my principal called my parents in and advised them and said, see, it's quite clear that her mind is elsewhere. Why not just get this out of her system? Let her go to Korea, see for herself what it's like. So I took a trip to Korea and uh, it was not as glamorous as I perceived it to be based on what I used to see on the television shows and their music videos, it was far from that. But it was beautiful in its own way with how how the people were, how they communicated, how the culture was. And mm. it was it was all very fascinating for me to be in a new place, learning about the people, the place, the culture. So I decided that once I finished my 11th and 12th, I was still not in the mindset, the proper mindset of going and studying full time. So I came back to India. I decided I would... Uh, since I wasn't able to attend classes full time, I would do open schooling, National Institute of Open Schooling. And uh, what it does is it allows you to study from the comfort of your own home and uh, do the same subjects that other students do. And they give you all the material and content. And I was surrounded by students who, you know, came from disturbed backgrounds, who had mental illnesses or who were into athletics or sports, so they couldn't attend full time classes. That's the kind of uh, demographic NIOS targets. And we are promised that it's on par with any other national board like ICSE, CBSE, I mean, central board. Uh, And so I did my 11th and 12th with NIOS and I went to Korea and I pursued my language education there. So I studied uh, the Korean language at Seoul National University's Language Education Institute. And I was there for one and a half to almost two years. The focus of traveling to Korea was to learn the language further. Yes, lang- learn the language further as well as to end up doing my ma- uh, bachelor's degree there as well. That was my dream. So definitely spending time in, in Korea uh, is one of the highlights that has happened and I'd love to talk more about it. But tell me, with you being uh, diagnosed, first misdiagnosed and diagnosed and then also trying to manage the, the OCD that you were experiencing, was it um, difficult making the choice, going away from home, living by yourself, both for you and for your parents? For my parents, yes, definitely. For me, no, because again, I was of this irrational belief that the moment I set foot in Korea, everything would be fine. I was mm. still very much a child. I, I approached life in a childlike manner, a childlike belief and a lot of naivety and it was only once my doctor told my parents that after many many sessions after a lot of um, analysis after seeing like doing my progress for a long time he told my parents that I was ready to go abroad and study mm-hmm. and he was very optimistic and he was right I was uh, my symptoms were in control and for almost the entirety of my time in Korea I was pretty uh, I was my symptoms were very very um in control, right? So tell me the whole experience of um, living in Korea, the people, the food, because um, 
my experience when I was there, it's a completely different world. I call it the futuristic world in, in so many ways. So Absolutely. talk to me a little bit about, you know, living, studying and working there also. Yeah. So it was exciting and also just uh, my experience with Korean people and a lot of people would not agree with this is that they find that the elder generation is much less open to foreigners. But my experience was completely different. Of course, the young people are curious about foreigners, but the ones who want to have sustained contact with you is the older generation. I found that they were very curious to learn about foreigners, our culture, our language and learn more about our country and how we live there. And So connecting I mean, with, with people and the elderly especially was one of the highlights. Yeah. But we also, what about like the whole pop culture, the music, the food? What, what about all that? Did you? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, 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 I like to call myself one of the early initiates into the now so-called Hallyu wave. So back then when I was in India, I was like this outlier who was in a k-pop before people here really knew what it was they're like and now of course everyone knows about it it's it's very mainstream to know k-pop and like k-pop and everything more than that more than really um immersing myself in the pop culture what i found was because it was so safe at least at the time korea was such a safe city seoul particularly was such a safe city for women i found myself like every time after class because seoul national university is right at bang in the center of um the guanak mountains mountain range so i would go for a hike every day after class and just lose myself in nature without really feeling uh that lack of security that i might feel so you know feel- listening to you with so much talks with so much love for korea feels like you would have loved to sort of continue to study and maybe even live there so mm-hmm. what brought you back oh i absolutely had every intention of studying there and living there um uh, at least working there but um so it turns out that me having done my open schooling in the 11th and 12th was uh, something that Korean universities were not at all ironically open to. So they did not accept someone who had an alternative educational background like mine. And uh, I was rejected from several universities. So I graduated in about um, one year and I spent about half a year just applying to a lot of universities or preparing my documents and such. It's a very tedious process and just being rejected left, right and center. So my confidence really took a hit. And I decided I'd have to come back to India uh, inevitably, and which I did. But I didn't really. Was that to... heartbreaking? Oh yeah, absolutely. But um, I find that sometimes life doesn't turn out the way you want it to, and you always have to have a backup plan. So my... I sent an email. I sort of an email to the Korea Trade Center, which is which has a branch in Bangalore. Uh, Korean boss of the office, the branch manager had a conversation with me in Korean. He was he was very happy because there are not a lot of, there aren't any Indian employees, at least not at the time, who spoke Korean. And that was a big asset. So we were one of the first people to kind of bring Korean cosmetics into the Flipkart, Health and Glow and Amazon space. Yeah, so that, yeah. was, that was a lot of work experience. And mm-hmm. uh, what happened next? So I really felt that I had to, you know, secure my future. And since I couldn't get into a Korean university, I started applying to Indian universities. And you wouldn't believe it. This took me at least a year or so because it turns out NIOS, which is a central government established uh, board, which is supposed to be on par, like I said, with CBSE, 
is not accepted by a lot of colleges in Bangalore itself. I was turned away from so many um, universities in Bangalore because they thought that NI students weren't uh, as smart or as um, well studied as normal or regular students. So I was turned away from several institutes and in that time I was uh, in volunteering for one year at Charlie's Animal Rescue Center where you know, I had the opportunity to socialize with dogs, cats, chickens, pigs, animals of all kinds. So while you were looking to to find a, a college to study, you were volunteering with uh, Charlie's Animal Rescue yes. Center. Yes, okay. about three or four times a week I was doing this. Finally, after looking for a long, long time, I found one university that was able to accept my NIOS education, which is really sad. It was really an eye-opener. I think that was the point where I started growing up, being rejected so much, and also seeing how bureaucracy works in India, seeing how slow people were with responses, resolving issues for us. It, it is so, an eye-opener. So you wouldn't recommend an iOS, or at least you, you'd give a caveat to parents to say, to understand and learn more about it before they choose that for their children? Absolutely. Absolutely the, absolutely the latter because see, I studied again in 2000, early, late 2013 and um, things could have changed. I mean, it's almost a decade ago, right? So they certainly could have improved. I, if this was 2000, uh, 2016 and you asked me this and I was going through that whole phase of my life, I would say absolutely no, please don't join an iOS. It, it might help you receive your 11th and 12th certificate, but it won't, certainly won't help you if you're seeking mm. formal education after that. But now it could have changed. I would say do your research though. Then. Right. So it, it's been quite a fascinating journey. I, I'm sure yeah. there's there's a lot of growing up in that those different, uh, you know, kind of points in that entire journey. Also, there has been... I think a little bit of growing up, like you were saying, because of some of the rejections that happened, while you were also, you know, trying to manage the best mental health that, you know, was possible. Um, how have sort of like friends, family, and are there like significant people who have really uh, been alongside you through this, this entire decade? And how have they influenced, you know, the way you think and you are today? Absolutely. I think um, when I kind of outgrew the whole K-pop thing, I realized the real lifeline was my family. And they have been through me with all these volatile phases of my life. And they've supported me throughout. They aren't the type of parents who will ever restrict me from anything. And I think, I mean, I can't really speak for anyone else. This is the only experience that I've had. And I, I can't I can't really compare it to anything other than what my peers have told me. But I think that's the best way to be raised because you you never really feel like you've been deprived of anything growing up. You really never feel like because I was forbidden to do something, that's that's why I turned out the way I was. There's never that resentment. You feel that there's at least some peace of mind knowing that if I've ever gotten myself in any kind of uh, trouble or if I've met with a roadblock it's my fault and nobody else's I have nobody else to blame for the choices that I've made because I was never restricted in any of my choices so I've been supported throughout um, whenever I hit any lows um, my parents and my grandmother initially really couldn't understand the concept of obsessive compulsive disorder and um, but the fact the most important part was that they tried to learn more about it they they learned more for my sake 
although they were of the mindset that mental illness was kind of a mind over matter thing but they really changed their approach to it dealing with me talking to my doctors coming with me for sessions um they supported me in going to korea and chasing my dreams seeing how much it was affecting me to uh kind of be denied from it uh, and really making my mental state a little bit worse i know it sounds childish saying that i didn't get my way so my mental state was uh not in the best of places but just being out of you know out of the same uh scene that i was in maybe just getting away really did help for a while um and they supported me throughout we were always in conversation they were always checking in on me i i've i've never felt any dearth of love or support in my life so that support but but also sort of shaping your world view or your opinions any anything you want to talk about there so i think because i was never restricted from uh from trying anything or doing anything i never really felt uh pressure to you know uh have a boyfriend very early because i feel like a lot of the things we do as a child is a product of rebellion of course this might be a controversial opinion but i feel a lot of my friends who were forbidden from having like uh being in a relationship often were the first ones to get into a relationship it was of course maybe the allure of a secret rendezvous was so are you saying your k-pop phase was not a rebel phase No, I was in a rebel phase, kind of like I said, a four lifeline that I kind of conjured <laughs> right. up for myself. Yeah, um, uh, my my parents were never against it, so it couldn't have been a rebellion. Maybe a rebellion would have. <laughs> they weren't even against me coloring my hair like five to ten different shades at some point. They were totally okay with that too. So I think because I was I was in fact encouraged to go. I I spend most of my time. in those reading books i was in fact in karil should go out and get a boyfriend <laughs> make a bunch of friends go to parties just live a normal teenage life i was like no i will so be waiting for you to actually rebel yeah and i never did i was like the most boring child ever <laughs> okay so where do you find yourself now what, what are you doing now i know you finished studying finally yeah. despite all mm-hmm. the nios madness what do you do now so um like i said i worked with a lot of animals at care and that i think was my it kind of was my introduction into being vegan it was one of the things of course there were a bunch of documentaries and things after that and um i had i think we discussed this earlier but uh it was around this time that i around college days that i kind of gave up on the idea of going and study in korea because once the infatuation of kpop and just being there and kind of being getting carried away in the glamour of it all i came to really from a detached perspective analyze what life in korea would be like if i ended up going back there after fulfilling my master uh, bachelor's which would then make me eligible to pursue a master's in college so it was it, it was like quite a romance for some time right absolutely it, so it the how situation so how did when you finally thought of breaking up with korea how did that <laughs> Yeah, I think that's my first real relationship. My first or first relationship was. Ah, uh, I think when the reality hit, it wasn't a toxic relationship by any means. I I think it was very give and take. I learned so much. I had the best time of my life. I wouldn't take it back for anything. But uh, I realized that uh, being a student in Korea and being an adult in Korea are two very different things, and I just had to part ways. 
at that right. point i had to really see other avenues so so there was little so there was the break up with korea and there was also this entire um, uh move towards being vegan so so mm-hmm. that kept you in india so i mean again uh i would always advise people to really not get too attached to your plans because as it turns out i thought you know let me build up a stronger resume a stronger portfolio and i kind of leaned into my passion for veganism and love for animals and i there's this restaurant in bangalore that i loved visiting and i loved everything they stood for and i saw that on facebook when i followed them they had a job opening uh, coincidentally for a marketing uh, associate they were open to people who were willing to learn in the position they would train them so i ended up working where i'm working now just be resto cafe in sadashnagar and i finally found like i there is a place i belong in bangalore there is a group that i belong with i found a good set of friends uh who hopefully will last a lifetime and i really find a sense of belonging here so th- that's why mm-hmm. i mean things didn't turn out at all the way i expected maybe i didn't really live up to people's lofty expectations of me being something like uh you know uh some working in some big firm abroad at the end of the day seeing the struggles that i've been through and seeing how happiness was such a big task for me it seemed there's so many points in my life where happiness was my biggest goal because it seemed like something i would never reach it always seemed out of hand for me just seeing me happy in a place is i think uh, for my parents for my family the biggest achievement i could have ever got and for you and for me absolutely so absolutely. of course i i see you talk with so much passion and love for just be and uh the veganism the food and you know the entire of course uh, experience of that place but just to like end that you know entire episode um how has you know been managing your mental health through this entire thing and now that you're working profession it's not that it's what i understand it's not just getting diagnosed and being on medication right it is something mm-hmm. that uh either stays yeah. with you or you know you something that you need to manage so how has that been parallel to everything that you're doing now um so what my understanding of ocd is and also of uh, several anxiety disorders is that it's a lifelong battle that you're going to have to deal with you're always going to have periods of ups and downs and when there are highs they're very good and you feel like you're all better and cured now but when there are lows you feel like you've undone all the progress that you made and of course i have periods like that of course even while i'm working at just be a place where i feel like i have everything really just laid out in front of me i have these extreme periods of lows where i where all these blows to my confidence being turned away from universities really not still feeling in some way that maybe i haven't lived up to maybe people's expectations of me though i'm happy here i feel like i i do kind of grapple with my identity i do kind of grapple with who i am i still whenever i get stressed out uh, at work or there's any stress on my life i feel the intrusive thoughts returning in some capacity at their irrational best and kind of it's ocd is kind of likened to a bully living in your head and trying to make you question everything you know is wrong and completely un- non-factual but and you just you, at some point you really just have to learn to live with that bully because it's going nowhere and therapy and medications really help with that some people just opt for therapy and it works just fine some people do need medications to be more receptive to therapy and i've been receiving therapy and been on med- medications for a long time i'm still in that um 
I'm still in that pit, but I, I see myself slowly climbing out. Right. I think it's brave. Shifting tracks a little bit. Two questions, and because there's some, you know, a little bit uh, linked to each other. What's, you know, really uh, great about being like a young person in, in 2022? And what's not so good? And in that not so good part, are there like... Uh, things or ideas that you're sort of getting misjudged for unfairly? So I think the best and worst thing about being a young person uh, in the modern era is the same thing. And it is the immense number of options that we have. I think we can choose to be anything allegedly but the thing is while we have all these options Indian society is still Indian society and you're expected to know exactly what you want to do from a very early age and it's very hard and takes a lot of courage to really um, move away from everything you studied and start anew so while you have all these options out there you're also kind of really rushed into making a choice and for a lot of people, it's very overwhelming. People think we're blessed because we have so many choices. In many ways, we are because uh, the world, you know, borders are blurring. We can go anywhere if we really have the drive for it. It's just that you're always so afraid you'll make the wrong choice. That kind of puts you into, you know, analysis paral- uh, paralysis. That's a thing now, right? You're always analyzing your options. In the end, you don't really make a choice at all. You end up just letting a choice get made for you. Sometimes I feel like it might have been easier if someone just said, okay, you're going to be a doctor and then really just push me in that direction. So, so having choices is both the good and the bad part because you have, though you can make so many choices, there's still, the expectations have also become manifold as the choices yeah. have. So before we end, um, I know you've just started working and you also spoke about, you know, having parents who really give you a lot of choices. But if I had to ask, like, what is it that as adults we can be talking to you more about? What is it that we should be asking more? What would you say? Um, More than asking us things, I do feel that, for example, you were asking all the right questions. You want to understand how we think and how we deal with changing circumstances how technology affects our life how how all these uh, how this plethora of options has really changed how we view the world and how it's affecting us in i feel like people like the people our guardians our parents our families really do need to understand how sometimes these things that they view as blessings do also incapacitate us in some way and more than having them ask me all the right questions i want to hear from them what their 20s were like. And honestly, not with any censorship in the name of Sanskar and all that. I really want to know that with no filters whatsoever, the problems that they faced in their 20s, how they overcame them. As a kid, I was in such a hurry to grow up. And when adults told me, please don't be in a hurry. It's not all that it's it's not all that it's made out to be. It's really not that great. And now that I'm here as an adult and I know for a fact it's really not that great. I, I, I want to listen to, uh, you know, the people who have been here done that a little bit more. And I want to know what the experience was like, because they, they have, I do feel that there's some un- experiences that are universal. And I, I stand to learn a lot, even if maybe there are some opinions, like maybe they'd be like, mind over matter, or mental, mental illness doesn't exist. But still, I would like to talk, talk to them about that, because whether they believed in it or not, mental illness did exist. And they did have some coping mechanism that I could maybe learn from them. 
or mm. take away from that conversation. So I would really like to have a good unfiltered conversation where I I learn how they dealt with life and how they got through these problems that we could have been facing that are in some manner similar. Mm. So I know you've uh, cherished the dream of of Korea. You and nobody can take away the fact that you know you can speak Korean at level six, and then all of course all the great experiences that you've had. And now I think you've also found not just uh, a, a workplace which you feel passionate, but also surrounded by people who you feel are your community. What are you looking forward to from here now? I think um, I'm looking forward to growing and learning something new every day. I feel like if I'm not learning something, I feel like I'm stagnating. I've always been of that mindset. And uh, if I'm in a position where I'm coming every day and doing exactly the same thing that I did yesterday, I feel like I'm not doing justice to life. I feel like having lived this life and been through what I've been through and having learned so much, I feel like I mean, I feel like there's so much more to learn. I've just developed my takeaway from all of this is that I've developed a passion for learning, be it through experiences or be it through hands-on learning or through people just teaching me or telling me what I need to know. I'm looking forward to being exposed to new people, new cultures, hopefully traveling and getting to talk to locals, not really going on the tried and tested path of, you know, the tourist travels, really talking to people from different places, seeing what life is like for them. And really just growing as a person. So maybe someday along the line, maybe I haven't, you know, won a Nobel Prize or uh, created a new product that's going to solve all the world's problems. But maybe I have some lessons of value to pass down to someone who might be really in need of it. Maybe I might have just the right word. Maybe write that book. That OCD book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do that too. Could do that, yeah. And maybe because you talk of travel, I would love to go back to Korea with you. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe we can spend a week, not just in Seoul, but also maybe doing that hike that, you know, you talked about. I would love that. It would be like me traveling with the local. Oh, absolutely. I just got to really start warming up those this redundant Korean skills I've been buried away for I'm like two sure, sure. working on it. Yes, yes. All right, great. Uh, so as, as parting thoughts, what have you been sort of listening to in terms of music, podcast or watching or like reading some things you want to share? So I often find myself watching if I'm feeling particularly stressed, I find that children's entertainment is the most calming thing to watch. But if not that, I find myself very drawn to um, TV shows and movies that have a very quirky quality that are not afraid to really test like? the boundaries. Of... So there's this show on Netflix I actually got discontinued because it was too outrageously wacky. It was called Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. There was all this crazy, karmic, interdimensional, very wacky thing uh, based on uh, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's uh, Guide to the Galaxy. He, I mean, he's the author. He also wrote uh, Dirk Gently. But it was a very wacky show that I really liked. Then I like Umbrella Academy about superheroes, but they're dysfunctional. They have these family issues and they're all like from a wacky background. And uh, I really like also like period dramas that kind of go back into like um, Renaissance, the era or the Victorian era and everything. This Hallmark show, uh, When Calls the Heart, very cheap. 
easy but very pure and and with an e again oh, yes love that one right great thank you so much for chatting with me i think it's um, one of the most amazing journeys over the last five shows that i've recorded so far and i think it's just the beginning i'm i'm oh, uh, so excited for you know where you're going to go and what you're going to do so keep you in the loop definitely yes. wherever i go wherever life ends up throwing me i will keep you up to date maybe i can be in like a season 2 of the sinulu absolutely <laughs> right thank you thank you so much an absolute joy great to have you spend time listening to this episode we'll be back in a fortnight with the next one